Hey, creator, I'm Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer. And before we get started on today's podcast on how to skyrocket your website's organic search volume, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the iancorzine.com website. There you can go to it and schedule an online consult with me or one of my social media lawyer team members for an in-depth analysis of copyright, trademark, or business law questions. Also, don't forget to go to the legal template store and download any kind of legal documents you may need for your social media career. It could be a collab agreement, it could be an LLC formation agreement, uh, it could be some sort of vendor contract. We have all those at iancorzine.com and make sure you stick around to the end of the podcast where I'm gonna give you a 20% off discount code. All right, for all that, go to iancorzine.com. Let's get to today's show. It's your social media lawyer, Ian Corzine. Welcome to the Social Media Law Podcast. I'm Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer. I'm on a crusade to help creators just like you understand the law, and I want to protect your artistic freedom. Today, I'm going to be joined by Jared Spiewak of Blue Dog Media. We're going to talk all things organic search. One of the things that I think creators uh, underestimate sometimes is how powerful organic search of their websites uh, is. And we're going to talk about how to skyrocket your organic search results today in today's podcast. By the way, if any time during the podcast you want to reach me, you can reach me at podcast at iancorzine.com. That's podcast at iancorzine.com. Or hit me up on Twitter at Ian. All right. Today, we're very excited to be joined by Jared Spiewak of Blue Dog Media. Jared, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Ian. Hey, uh, it's so good to see you here, and thanks for making some time for us. Uh, I want to talk a little bit before we get going into the kind of the nitty gritty of what you recommend for maximizing organic search results. Do you have any stories in mind of maybe uh, some clients or some uh, some firms or, or, or businesses that you've helped uh, with their organic search results? Yeah, of course. So there, there's a couple of different examples that I can give you. I'll try to keep it as short and sweet as possible, <laughs> but also uh, kind of as impactful as possible. Uh, so kind of a very common scenario, this is actually with a law firm, a personal injury firm, which is a very, very competitive market to be in. Okay. Especially if you're a small fish in a big market like this individual firm was, and they had they had worked with numerous uh, various providers beforehand, partners, vendors, whatever you want to call it, and just kind of a very similar story. You know, we worked with them, didn't get any results, so kind of a bad situation to be in, really uh, unfortunate situation. Uh, we kind of went in there, and something that you know I personally pride myself on is not just offering a straight on uh, kind of productized service package mm-hmm. type work and actually looking at things at a personal perspective. And lucky enough, we were able to go in there, find a couple of technical issues with the website, specifically the way that their actual theme that they were using on WordPress, the way that it was coded wasn't proper for SEO, made a couple changes to that. Instantly, within about two months, their overall phone calls were up about 40%. After about five months, they were up about 150%. And a lot of that early success was just from, uh, honestly, a fairly simple technical change that was just overlooked. Um, Another uh, individual... I'm filming you right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, go for it. Uh, Another um, 
a different story was a a online company, a uh, an e-commerce store. They had unfortunately done some uh, pretty terrible SEO work. To be pretty blunt, they tried doing it themselves without any sort of direction. And because of that, they they had skyrocketed. They were getting about a couple million impressions on their website. Uh, oh wow! And an update happened. They lost sixty percent of it overnight. Gone. So because of that, we had to work together to, of course, solve that. The issue, if you want to get technical, was about link yeah. building. They got a bunch of really crappy links, to be honest, that they honestly uh, thought were good. I did a quick analysis. I was like, well, here's all the reasons why these weren't good. Um, and because of that, it took them, those issues tend to be very expensive and very time-consuming to fix. They are the worst issue that you can have. It required myself, who, I'll be honest, gets paid very well from them. Another company <laughs> that they work with, who, I'll be honest, gets paid paid very well from them as well yeah. Four people on their internal team and their legal team four months to solve that. Now, wow. granted their traffic has about, uh, increased, not only recovered fully, but about 30, 40% increase in terms of where it was beforehand. So that was really awesome. Them. And it's definitely paid off for them in terms of ROI. Yeah. That was a, that's a very bad situation to be in. So that was a, another kind of uh, recent situation where instead of just growing, it's recovering from, uh, a, a very massive drop. Wow, that's awesome! I love I love how you delivered those results. How long did it take to get those results um, for your last example? For for the e-commerce store, yeah. So it took about four months for the recovery to happen. And the way that Google works is that, especially in cases like links, it takes a while. Even if you did all the work today, that would solve the issue. You're, mm -hmm. It might be a couple months. It might not even be until the next what they call the core algorithm until you actually recover. So it's, okay. some, it's sometimes just a waiting game. So mm -hmm. it took about four months to get that recovery. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty much a, like a night and day. It dropped and then straight and then straight back up. And then from then, it's been a pretty nice incline for about the past three months. I, off the top of my head, I don't know the exact percentage month yeah. over month that it's grown. But overall, compared to where they were beforehand, it's grown by about 30, 40% off the top of my head. Wow. And so you measured that basically with uh, Google Analytics, is that correct? When you were describing the up and down? So mainly through Google Search Console. Uh, so what oh, okay. Google's, uh, you, can do the, you can do that in uh, analytics. Uh, a big mistake that people use with analytics yeah. is that if you go to analytics, you go under acquisition channels, you'll see organic search. Mm -hmm. And because when we talk about search engines, everyone talks about Google, they mistakenly believe that that's just Google traffic, mm -hmm. but it's any search traffic. So it's Bing, it's Yahoo, it's Yandex, if uh, which is a uh, Chinese or Russian, one of the two. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's Russian. So you, you, it's all these various search engines, ones you've made may never even heard before. You can filter that just to organic search, but there's multiple ways that people can come for you from organic search. There's mm -hmm. Google search, there's Google images, there's Google maps, so on and so forth. Where on uh, Google search console, you can, it's a lot easier and a lot more uh, straightforward to just filter down. Here's the exact search traffic. And you mm -hmm. also get that data in terms of what specific keywords they were. Because even if you connect search console with Google Analytics, if you go to keywords on Analytics, you'll see almost nothing there. But if you actually go to search console, you can see keywords. You can do things like extract data and then mm -hmm. look at what, what, how have our clicks changed for individual terms? So you can see, was this individual pages that were affected? Was it a certain section of the site? Was it the entire site? Yeah. Uh, so search console is generally go-to for looking at the actual performance of a, uh, of uh, organic search and clients will always look at analytics. Awesome. Um, well, Jared, how did you get started in all this uh, Google analytics and in organic search and backlinks mm -hmm. and the whole shebang? Yeah. So uh, another long story that I'll try to keep as short <laughs> as possible. So I, this actually started when I was 14. 
And basically, I wanted to graduate high school early. I was on track to do so, and I needed to make money because I had to pay for anything that loans didn't cover for college. I needed to figure out how to pay for it myself. So I'm like, okay, cool. How do you make money online? So I did the stupidest thing you can do, as you can imagine, how to make money online, Google it bunch of totally legitimate opportunities always to be found. So that obviously didn't amount to much. And I found a writing website and started writing online. And I was getting paid very, very low. It was mostly on sites that uh, people who English is like the second language, but their uh, wage is cheap, that people from the US will hire them to write content. Yeah. Being a native English speaker, I was able to gain a decent amount of traction, charge a little bit more, still not as much as you would normally charge as a copywriter. Yeah. But I was starting to get some work and everybody wanted keywords in their content. I had no idea why. So <laughs> everyone wants all these keywords in the content. No idea why. I really didn't care, to be honest. But eventually someone wanted an article about how do you do SEO. So I had to do research on that. Okay. So that kind of gave me my intro as to, okay, this is a thing that exists. This is why I'm doing this. Fast forward a bit and done with high school, currently in college, kind of about midway through that as well. And I get a corporate marketing job. I thought I was going to climb the corporate ladder. This is a more <laughs> traditional marketing job, but they hired me because, hey, you're young. You know how to use the internet sort of thing. <laughs> SEO wasn't really something that they ever did either. But the reason why I looked into SEO again was that I hated that job. I could not stand it. I didn't like the bureaucracy of it. I didn't like the office politics. Mm -hmm. And the company itself was also kind of a bit shady. <laughs> Literally right after I left, they got into a really sketchy lawsuit uh, oh against boy. the government. So that was fun. Um, <laughs> and so I really just wasn't happy there. I was like, I remember that SEO thing. So I signed up for a website called Upwork.com. It's like a freelancing website. Sure, uh, I use it all the time. Probably, you know, most yeah. people probably hired off of it. Yeah. And so I offered my services for $5 an hour to basically figure out how to do this SEO thing. And what's kind of funny about that is a lot of people in the SEO world will outsource work to the Philippines because there's a deep, good amount of English speakers there and the wages are cheaper. And yeah. it's funny because my first client was a business in the Philippines. So it was oh, a reverse really? situation. So I was getting huh. paid about $5 an hour and then I got paid about five fifty an hour from a U.S. company. And I did that for a bit to kind of get my feet wet. I started getting a little bit more into it. And eventually, uh, which I'm very lucky that has happened, is a marketing agency in the U.S. reached out to me and said, hey, do you want a job doing SEO for us full time? Wow. Offering double what I was making in my <laughs> corporate job. So I was like, cool, I've only been doing this for a couple months now. But they were impressed enough with my knowledge that they want to offer me a full time job, work from home at double what I'm making right now. Why would I ever say Yeah, that? exactly. So, Heck yeah. Yeah. So I signed on for that, uh, worked exclusively for them for about three, four months, but because of my kind of tenacity and entrepreneurial, uh, tendencies, I guess you could say, I started yeah. freelancing as well. So I worked for them full time, freelancing, worked for other agencies. And eventually it just went to, uh, you know, including my knowledge, went from full time to part time to no time. Then, okay, great. I have all these clients. What do I do now? I guess I'll start my own agency. And that was about uh, two years ago that I started my agency. Wow. And how many employees do you guys have now? So right now we are a team of three regulars and two as needed, which okay. is mainly a designer because we don't do design work, but we, we also do PPC marketing. And so we need a designer to create landing pages. Okay. Um, but mainly it's myself, a PPC specialist and developer. Okay. So take us through when a business comes to you and your small to medium sized businesses is what you serve. Mainly. Yes. Yeah. When they come to you, um, what is your first step in doing marketing for them? Are you working on organic search first? Are you doing pay-per-click? What are you doing? My, my first step is before doing anything, before making them any sort of offer, you know, I, I don't really care what they come to me and say, hey, this is what I want. I'm looking at more so what they actually need. Yeah. So I'm looking at what, where are they right now? Is this worth it for them? Because SEO isn't the right 
choice for every business. PPC isn't really the right choice for every business. Okay. So I'm looking at that first. I'm looking to see, is there a market for this? Or, and are you able to enter this market and have a good chance of success? Mm-hmm. From there, uh, I, I prefer to do both at the same time. The reason being is that they even themselves out very well because with Google search and Google page, you're going to be, if you're talking about the search network in terms of Google page, you're going after the same search terms that you want to rank for organically as well. Okay. So if you're going to get success with one, you're going to get success with the other. And because SEO is something that takes a lot of time and PPC is something that doesn't, it's as soon as you pay, you get that early sort of results right away. Well, SEO needs that depending on the situation, depending on what source you read that three, six, 12, 24 months, there's a lot of kind of dependability and uh, variability there, I guess I should say. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what it does, it creates a nice even level of, okay, great. Early on PPC is really going to be generating the results. And probably also if they have a good enough budget for PPC, the PPC is also funding the SEO based on what you're making for that. So I that's see. the ideal scenario, mm-hmm. but not everyone goes in that. Sometimes they start with one, then they go to the other, one yeah. comes there, or sometimes they're not interested in the other, depending on costs. So, but that is the ideal scenario. If you're coming in and you're going to get PPC, do you always recommend organic or do you, or do you sometimes say, Hey, listen, we just want immediate results. We got a budget, just go PPC and, and see how see where it goes. So it's, I don't always recommend organic to everybody. And some of the things that I factor in are what are the overall goals of the company mm-hmm. with, with organic, there are limited positions and it's a direct head to head competition against everybody else who is ranking, especially in highly competitive markets and PPC, right? You're, you're competing against PPC too, or no? Yes, but in a different ways, because okay. what happens with Google ads is if you want to run on a budget on $20 a day and each click costs you $20, you can do that. You might only get one click a day, but you can appear. Mm-hmm. SEO, if you're like, hey, great, I have $300 a month. If you're in a really competitive market, it doesn't matter how long you do that, you're always going to be behind. Okay. You might gain a little bit of traction on like some smaller sites and maybe, you know, you went from page five to page four, right? Like, but like, who cares? Nobody, yeah. Yeah, yeah, nobody goes that far. To page two, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So with, with organic, it, it's something where you, it's only really worth it for you if you want to gain that that amount of traction. And if you're able to put in that amount of investment to compete with those people, it doesn't mean you have to have the biggest budget around. That's, that's not exactly how it works, but it does, you know, if you're looking for, you know, if, if let's say you're an e-commerce company that's looking to gain an extra 50 orders per month, because you know, you're a small business, you do everything yourself. You can't really handle a bunch of orders. Mm -hmm. There's no reason for you to overtake, um, Amazon in a position that allows them to gain 500 orders a day because okay. one, they'll outspend you because it's worth it for them to, mm-hmm. to even if you got that, you, you'd be overwhelmed and you wouldn't want that in the first place. Oh, okay. Interesting. All right. So PPC allows you to kind of leverage how much volume you want, where SEO is basically opening up the floodgates and whoever searches for that, you know, you'll get, you know, 20, 30, 40% of the clicks, depending on where you're ranked. Mm-hmm. So it really is a a custom fit per business. I mean, you're making recommendations based upon a budget, upon upon what kind of uh, offerings they have, uh, and then you're and then you're going to make your your and also how much time and investment time investment they want to make, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. It's it's uh, it, it's not for everyone, and I, I try to make that as clear as possible because it is one of those SEO is that 
that sexy marketing tactic that everyone wants, you know, from there are people that will reach out to me that are like, Hey, I'm thinking about starting a business. So I want to consult with you about the SEO and what we have to do before you've even planned it out. And that's just really the wrong direction to take. Oh, okay. You would, you would suggest we form the business for, excuse me, first, and then worry about the SEO later. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mainly being is that the current state of the web, like most people, if you start your website, you're probably going to be on WordPress, like 80, 90% of CMSs or content management systems are probably on WordPress. There's also like uh, Squarespace, Wix, et cetera. A lot of these are set up that the basics of SEO will be done for you fairly well from a technical perspective, from an on-site perspective. It's not going to be perfect, but it is there. It is existent. And you mean that's on page? You're saying that's on page SEO? Okay. All right. Right. Uh, So if you make it clear what this page is about, you show up somewhere and that's, you know, maybe you're not getting a whole lot of organic traffic, but you don't need someone from the get go to kind of walk you through it because it's not like the days of, um, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, where if you wanted a website, you had to hire a program to start from scratch with a blank HTML page. Yeah. Yeah. Or learn programming language. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. Like these, these websites and these programs understand uh, you know, SEO, you can use things like Yoast or SEO press or rank math, which all plugins on WordPress that handle, like just by installing, they do a lot of things for you. There mm-hmm. are plugins that you can install that run just by you clicking activate and they do a lot of things for you. Okay. So there is things that SEO is happening, even if you're not necessarily having have paid someone for that. Okay. Now tell us about, uh, we talked about on-page SEO and a lot of the companies like Wix and, and Squarespace and certainly WordPress help you with on-page. We're going to get to more details about new content, but just switching over to off-page, what is that and how do we maximize that? Sure. So uh, SEO is split up into two main categories. There's on-page or on-site, which is everything that happens on your website. And there's off-page or off-site uh, interchangeable. That And that's everything that happens off of your website. So these are things like um, uh, the uh, uh, click-through rate. Uh, so mm-hmm. in terms of uh, backlinks, backlinks uh, yeah. I'll start with that because that's like the most, what most people know uh, in terms of off-site backlinks, which is when one website links to another. Mm-hmm. That Google, that is why Google exists in the first place. Uh, back in the early, I think it was 2000, 2001, maybe 1999, somewhere around there, when Google was incepted, that's why their search engine gained a massive amount of traction. They were the only one at the time that considered backlinks because if a website is willing to wink to another website, that's probably an indication that that, that website is a quality website. Anyone can mm-hmm. claim to be a good website, but if other people say that this is a good website, that's a better indicator. Third-party verification. Exactly. So that's why, and it's changed a little bit more where you should just throw as many links as you want and you'll rank and you'll do great. It's a little bit more complicated now, but that is why Google kind of is what it is. So backlinks, very important. It's when one website links to another. That's the main thing that people talk about off-site. Mm-hmm. There are other things such as what are actually called social signals. Now the, there's a quote-unquote white hat and a quote-unquote black hat way to do this, but it's basically when people are mentioning you on social media, There's a lot, this is more a more debatable one, but for example, Twitter mm-hmm. is indexable on Google. You can find tweets by Googling them. Oh. You cannot do the same on Facebook unless the page is public. Okay. So if people are mentioning you on Twitter, they mention your website, it is possible for Google to read that tweet and to, for, to crawl that mm-hmm. people are mentioning you on Twitter. So that can be an offsite signal as well. There's also awesome. what's called CTR click-through rate. Mm-hmm. It's the percentage of people that are clicking on you when they search for something. So this is when we get into more theory because Google is very secretive about their algorithms for good reasons. Yeah. Is that if, let's say you rank number two on Google and someone yeah. else ranks number one, but you're more relevant for whatever the search query is. And so you get more clicks than the person ranking number one. 
theoretically, Google should promote you above that one because it's a good indication that if more people are clicking on you than a competitor who ranks above you, that you're clearly more uh, uh, relevant. And this can happen a lot with, Mm -hmm. let's say, um, uh, recipe websites or things like Stack Exchange for like programming type questions. You might find that based on the specific query that you entered, not the the number one result wasn't the best one. Google doesn't always get it right. And so mm. that is another way that kind of users tell Google. Same thing with what's called pogo sticking, which mm-hmm. is when somebody clicks onto the website and then very quickly hits the back button back to Google. That could mm. be an indication that that website just wasn't uh, what the user was looking for. And it could be an indication to Google that if enough people do it, then maybe that's not the right website to put in that position. Wow. So that's where you get into a lot of like the kind of tinfoil hat, more theoretical stuff, more things that would be impossible to really truly test, mm-hmm. but makes sense logically and that Google does have patents on. You mentioned two terms, which I've heard before, white hat and uh, black hat off-page SEO. I, I, you don't have to explain, you know, I, basically what do those mean, you know? Not much to be honest. Okay. It's, okay. it's, it's a way to semant, to semantify, if that's a word, basically to give definition to a more, more complex topic. And it's, if you think the terminology I'm going to guess comes from hacking, because we've heard about white hat hackers, black hat hackers. If yeah. you're a company and you want to hire someone to attack your company that you have hired to help you protect your company against those vulnerabilities, that is a white hat hacker. Yep. Someone who is hacking in without permission, that is a black hat hacker, that is illegal. Now, mm-hmm. uh, with with SEO, basically white hat is supposed to mean within Google guidelines and black hat is supposed to mean outside of Google's guidelines, but that, it's a lot of muddied water because okay. most SEO things that you do can technically be considered outside of Google's guidelines. And you can also do something uh, in a way that is very similar to something that would be, uh, so for example, let me, mm-hmm. let me try to not get uh, too out there with this. <laughs> you get a link from Wall Street Journal. Yes. Excellent. Uh, you know, I, I created a awesome company that has a really cool product. I'm a startup and this writer from wall street journal who covers startups and this sort of stuff links to me. Amazing. The same writer links to another company. So that would be considered white, right? So another, the same writer links to another startup tech company. Uh, but that tech company gave them three grand to place that link. Now that's technically black hat because Google is against buying links. However, one, that's a debatable subject in the first place for various reasons. We could have like a three hour podcast just on that. Topic. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the other side of things is that technically, yes, that is black hat, but how would Google necessarily know unless that writer tells you, mm-hmm. unless it's very obvious in the content, which yeah. sometimes it is very obvious. And that's how a lot of people get in trouble with this, these sort of tactics. So there is a, a very fine line. And oftentimes we use it in the industry to make it very clear, to make it very quick, what we're talking about. But often when it's used outside of the industry, it lacks kind of that subtle, uh, context and it's kind of generalization. So when I talk to another industry professional about white hat versus black hat, yeah. we mean different things than when we're talking to a client about white hat versus black hat. I see. Yeah. It's not black and white. <laughs> <laughs> I just did it. Exactly. Um, well, and it, the other thing I was thinking about that is, you know, you're talking about paid links and, you know, it could be that there's some other service exchanged for that. I think you used the, the, the $3,000 example. Right. Uh, there could be another service exchanged. And so how do you differentiate what portion of that money was dedicated for a backlink versus, you know, uh, some other mention somewhere, an article that you wrote for this website or, or whatever. So exactly. I can see what you're saying. What are some of the strategies that you use? I mean, I obviously, I don't, I, I'm sure you don't advocate black hat, whatever we mean by that, um, SEO, 
But what are some of the strategies you use? I mean, do you work for clients and say, listen, you know, you should speak to this Wall Street Journal writer or this uh, New York Times person and see if you can get an article read, written about you? Or how do you, how do you get those great backlinks? So if we're talking about editorial style backlinks, this is where SEO is kind of an umbrella term that embodies a lot of different marketing tactics. Okay. SEO embodies web development, it embodies copywriting and content writing, it embodies UX and UI design, it embodies CRO, uh, PR or public relations, um, uh, what's the acronym, uh, ORM or online reputation management, like all these things combined help you with SEO. And all of these are also specialized fields as well. So yeah. when it comes to talking about those really high-end editorial links, I often tell people, one, if you're an average company that really doesn't have anything uh, extraordinary going on where these companies aren't going to mention you, the only way you're going to get these links is if you pay for it. Like mm -hmm. that's just the reality of the situation. Mm -hmm. Like none of these writers care about your, uh, that your company that looks the same exact way as the other 6,000 companies in your industry. <laughs> you yeah. have to be doing something unique and something interesting. Yeah. Now, if, if you do have something really, uh, really worth like these companies really looking at you, then I recommend working with a PR company because they specialize in doing it. They have a lot of those relationships beforehand. Okay. And if you work with a good PR company, they're going to, they're going to generate, they're going to generate one, their main focus is going to be on generating you sales and traffic. Mm -hmm. But, and the secondary uh, advantage of that is you will get those links, but they're not going to be thinking about that first. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's uh, good in my opinion, because one, you can pay, you know, let's say two, three grand or, or maybe more uh, for an editorial link on some of these websites, or maybe you paid a PR company, let's say five to 10 grand, and you got three or four of those links on different editorial companies in columns that actually get featured on the homepage and actually get featured on the category pages. And they will actually get featured in their news email write up and the writer will actually tweet out that they just wrote this new article, which can actually drive exposure and whatever. And the link is the secondary benefit of that, okay. which is kind of the way that, you know, quote unquote, Google intended link building to be for, but for yeah. every market, the sub market is born. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, that's, that's basically how you go after that. Do you have any recommendations for PR companies that are great for small to medium sized businesses for this in this area or? Not necessarily, to be honest. One of one of the challenges that I have run into. So when it when it when I personally recommend companies, I only I never recommend someone just because I know them. I only recommend someone because I've worked with them and I know that they generate good results. Yeah. And one of the challenges I found with PR companies is that many of them are very traditional mm -hmm. in terms of working yeah. with like McDonald's and the way that they take yeah, press releases. That. Yeah, that kind right. of stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, Honestly, I think that is one of the big industries that needs a revamp because what's funny is that because there's such a muddled line between link building and PR, yeah. there are link building companies that basically just do PR, but their main focus is they put the value of the links on a higher pedestal than the actual traffic and revenue generation from directly people seeing that link. So oh. honestly, it's really muddled to be honest. And there, mm -hmm. I would say you're going to get better PR from a very high-end, high-touch outreach company mm -hmm. than you would with a traditional PR company. Okay, okay. And a lot of PR professionals do link building now Okay. because it's so similar. Excellent. All right, well, we're getting close to the end and I wanted to talk a little bit more about your recommendations mm -hmm. for creators, social media creators that have websites. And we're gonna talk about organic on-page SEO. 
what can we be doing on a day-to-day basis um, to you know, you know, be able to bring content to our websites that is crawlable and then eventually over time can result in you know, good search results? Sure. So like I said, a lot of the technical stuff tends to work out of the box unless you have someone messing around with a bunch of settings. That, so if you install something like uh, Yoast SEO or uh, personally I use SEO Press, Mm-hmm. You'll you'll get a lot of those technical benefits, like uh, like uh, it'll tell you if things are indexable or not. It'll tell you or things can be accessed on Google. It'll tell you if you're if you're um, throwing wrong canonical tags, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. a lot of those things will just happen out of the box, and it'll allow you to edit what's called like your title tags, your meta descriptions, this metadata that people generally don't see or don't recognize as actual content on the page. Yeah, and. Using that, I would say first and foremost, in terms of if you run, if you want to really take an approach of, you know, how can I do SEO Mm -hmm. for my own website Mm -hmm. is only focus on on site. Do not try to do your own offsite. The reason being is that it is, unless you take a PR approach to it, the reason being is if you try to purchase your own links, if you try to work with, you know, link vendors where you're handling the strategy yourself and you're just buying links directly from them based on like their packages of what they do. Yeah you're going to end up in that situation like one the client that I mentioned where they lost 50% of their traffic even though they went for years being fine yeah. it's they just crossed a threshold and then it crushed them so uh, you, i would say only focus on on site because off site it's mostly information you'll find will not be helpful for you online okay. on site you're going to find a lot more helpful information there's a million and one different resources that you can use if you want to stay to something that in my opinion is a little bit more simplistic but is very straightforward is uh, sites like Moz, Moz.com, Moz.com. There's mm-hmm. plenty of blog posts on there that talk about on-site. They talk about basic on-site, like oh. H1 optimizing your headers, your H1 tags, your URL structure, your internal linking. That's going to mm-hmm. be a pretty good baseline if you want to do it yourself okay. uh, to kind of learn from it. And then on the research side of things, you want to sign up for Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S.com. Okay. It's, it mainly, it's mainly a backlink tool, but what you want to focus on is doing things like throwing your competitor's URL in there mm-hmm. and then looking at what keywords that they rank for. You okay. can look at that and say, okay, what do I not have content on that my competitors do? Okay. If you throw on multiple competitors, you can do what's called a gap analysis and you compare what, what multiple competitors have that I don't. Mm-hmm. You can use their uh, content research tool. You can use a keyword research tool to find terms around the topics that you talk about on your website that you haven't talked about yet and that you can write about. Oh, that's excellent. Wow, and that that's where I would say that for most for most uh, content creators, where you'd want to start is find find those uh, find topics that you just haven't simply talked about that have search volume. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about competition right now. Don't worry about you know being the number one ranker for that right now. Yeah. Just get that content up because if you create good content. It's going to be great for any of your channels. Yes, mm-hmm. you want to drive SEO for it, but it's also going to be great for you to drive paid ads to it to generate traffic or to share it on social media to create an Instagram uh, quick post that summarizes the entire thing. So I would say for most people, especially if your site is smaller, you know, if you're not generating, uh, a, it's hard for me to say how much exactly this depends on the niche, but if you're not generating a decent amount of money where you'd actually be able to invest in yeah. SEO, yeah. then keep it keep it simple 
and it will come. I have multiple websites that I run that do good on SEO that I don't actually do any SEO for because they're just not high priority for me. I just post content on them and they continue to grow, but they grow a lot faster and a lot better if I put more time and energy into them. Yes, of course. But I know that if I just post good quality content on them, it will at least do something for me. And then Mm -hmm. when I have the time and energy, I can focus a little bit more on it. So for most people, I would recommend that approach. Create good content, share it around like you're probably already doing, Mm -hmm. but maybe be a little bit more focused on what other, what it, what are people searching for that I'm not talking about that I can talk about to generate traffic that way. Uh, to get to, to the content part, you know, a lot, that term is used a lot, you know, great content. Um, it's super subjective. Um, I see a couple of different measurements for great content. One, you could say great content is really good SEO optimized content. You know, I, I'm just recounting some of those rules, like, you know, mention the keyword in the first sentence or whatever. Um, and some of those things. And then the other kind of content is listen, this is the most beautiful essay that I worked on for, you know, uh, two weeks straight. And it's very easy to understand, very, it would be a, you know, news uh, magazine or, or paper article quality or uh, quality article. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what in your mind is the thing, are we just talking about blogs for SEO reading? I mean, what I mean is the computers reading them, crawling them, or are we talking about uh, viewer or reader satisfaction? What, what, what are we talking about there? So there's always a, a, a give and a get when it comes to SEO. So for example, what might be good for SEO might not be good for conversions in terms of getting more people on your email list. It might, what's good for SEO might not be good for keeping readers as engaged with the content if it was written in a different way. Mm-hmm. So I would say SEO comes secondary to okay. actually creating stuff that people are actually going to want to read. The reason being, yeah. you should be creating content that has more use than just SEO. It should be something that can stand alone if people come to it directly, if people share it to their friends. It, it needs to be engaging from those But how does Google measure that? It's one thing for me to say, that was a great article, but how right. does Google know that's a great article? Because, because of the substance of the article. Right. So what Google yeah. does is they use what's called a crawler, which is basically mm-hmm. a web robot. It comes and it essentially what it does is it scrapes all the content on your website, mm-hmm. and then it uses puts that content through its algorithm. Mm-hmm. And those are very complicated algorithms. And they do certain things like very basic kind of text analysis that anyone would be able to do, but they also use what's called NLP or natural language processing. Mm-hmm. And that's when we get into very uh, complex things of how a robot is able to understand understand uh, proper grammar and sentence structure and wow. uh, the difference between uh, fly as, as in terms of an insect and fly in terms of a verb. So yeah. Uh, there's all that kind of complication as well. So Google does automatically crawl through and there are case studies of people ranking websites using lorem ipsum text, which mm-hmm. for anyone that doesn't know is just uh, Latin filler text that one of the developers will use to just fill out a paragraph because they don't have content for it yet. Yeah. So people have ranked with just gibberish words on their page and just putting keywords in select pages. This is actually uh, something that got a lot of traction within the industry uh, by a guy named Kyle Roof, Kyle Roof who did this. Mm-hmm. And then Google kind of came back and uh, penalized very uh, pretty much all yeah, those really. websites. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was basically, a, it went from a personal attack on him from Google, which is a little bit funny. Yeah. Uh, and so there, it is very possible to you know game the algorithm because it's it's a fancy math equation. That's all algorithms are. They're very yeah. fancy math equations, and you yeah. can reverse engineer it. And you can do various things to it. 
but what are you sacrificing in the long term because of that? Because you created a keyword stuffed article that all the keywords are in the exact right places that Google decided to rank you higher, what mm -hmm. have you sacrificed in terms of your conversion rate or the trust that you have in your readers because they come to this and they're like, why can't this person form a real sentence just I because see. Google preferred that better? So um, that is how Google uh, crawls it. But when I work with content writers, I, I don't let them think about SEO. I don't want them mm -hmm. thinking about SEO. I want the content to stand alone and then I'll do the SEO things to it in terms of let me change this word around or you know they mentioned um car accident eight times let me change that once to car crash for the semantics of the, mm -hmm. the different world word mm -hmm. use mm -hmm. okay well i'm hearing because we got to get going here i'm hearing jared that the best way for us to skyrocket our organic search results uh is for us to use the tools that usually come uh on you know or come with or are available for wordpress or wix or or squarespace like yoast uh, you mentioned SEO. What was the SEO one you said? SEO, Rush? SEO Press. SEO Press. Uh, the other thing you also mentioned was uh, for us to get an account on Hrefs. Isn't that, isn't that correct? Correct. They uh, not sponsored by them, but they do yeah. have a seven dollar seven day trial. So what I recommend is do it when you have a week that you don't have too much going on yep. and you can download CSVs like crazy and just download as much as you want if you don't want to have it because it is expensive on a monthly basis. Yeah. Just once every three months, just like sign up with a new email address, download as much as you want. Sweet tip. <laughs> nice, Jared. Oh, that's awesome. All right, cool. Hrefs, and that'll help us do some competitor research uh, so that we can, um, uh, you know, understand what keywords that com competition is using and also see where we can fill in the gaps, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Jared, thank you so much for spending time with us. Uh, honestly, this was an awesome show. It was just amazing to listen to you. You're super smart. It's obvious. <laughs> <laughs> and you think very fast and you know your game. So Blue Dog Media, uh, uh, Jared Spiewak, thank you so much for coming in today. Yeah, thank you for having me. And as a reminder, we're going to end our show today and go to iancorzine.com to get all your answers to social media law questions. Please remember to subscribe to the Social Media Law Podcast with Ian Corzine and on iTunes on the podcast app. If you could rate uh, your Social Media Law Podcast, that would be wonderful. All right, that's enough for today. I'm Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer, and I'll see you next week.